0: Greetings, welcome to the Stats Mom podcast, today is the 2nd of September, 2014, Uh, transfer deadline day was yesterday, I am here with, my name is Ted Knudsen. I'm here with
1: Benjamin Pugsley, hello, hi
0: Ben, long time.
1: Long time no see. This is, like I just said, this is the second series of the Wire. Yeah.
0: I've been, I've been fired from whatever I was doing before. You know, transferred to the docks.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, this isn't really going to be. It feels a little, are we a we only little talking, bit like it. Are we a, only talking
0: about the Greek League today? I think that's going to turn a lot. Of, we're going to talk about the Greek League. <laughs> we're
1: going to talk about the like, the decaying of old kind of economies and you know the breaking of the unions. It's going to be fantastic. I, no, this what is
0: actually going to talk about today is transfers and we'll talk a little bit about the summer and analytics in the middle of it a um, little bit of hockey stuff a little bit of football stuff whatever and then we're going to wrap up with what we've learned in the first three weeks of the premier league yeah sounds That's good. good all right so transfers where do you want to start
1: should we start with arsenal oh boy okay <laughs> I think you've you've kind of every now and again you give us little clues on the on the interweb of ours that you didn't really want to talk about Arsenal or you kind of Tried to steer clear of it. Maybe it was too painful or too whatever. I, so I, so we'll, I, we'll start with. I'm it. an
0: Arsenal fan, um, and I have been since Dennis Bergkamp's goal in 1998 um, sort of sucked me in uh, to football again. Uh, Last time I watched it before was when I was six. A friend of mine was like, hey, did you play in high school? I was like, we didn't have a high school team. We didn't have football teams around us when I was a kid. I lived in farm country, Indiana. Anyway, long story short, Arsenal fan. Um, And I try not to talk about the club that much because, like, A, I get a little bit frustrated about, you know, how things are going. And B, fans get angry at me. People get angry when you tell them that, you know, you think the club's doing things that aren't right. Um, so I'm, but obviously if you look back over the course of years, like Arsenal have just failed in so many transfer windows, this transfer window, I wouldn't say they'd failed. Um, I, I think my grade would maybe be a C minus, maybe a C. Um, they've addressed some needs, which thank God, because they were big. Um, but like the fact that they didn't manage to bring in like, you know, a powerful, versatile defensive midfielder and they still haven't added any cover at center back despite um, you know selling off uh, in it, et etc means that they've got huge risky holes uh in in the back half of the team now
1: right so we we're, we're not classing chambers here as a as a kind of Addition to the D corps, so we saying he's a prospect and he's someone we should be. No, I, I think Chambers is good. He's
0: he's he's good now. He's capable of playing now. Um,
1: and if, but it's he, not enough. He, he
0: might even be better than Debushi as a as a right back if you look at how how he <laughs> played last year. Like Debushi's fine. Chambers, I think, is good and young and he's advancing. The problem is they got rid of Carl Jenkinson, they got rid of Sonia. they got rid of Vermalin. Like you're a body short, and like you're playing fifty some odd games this year. That's a big deal.
1: Yeah and I think it, was, it wasn't just that Like A lot of talk as well About defensive midfielder As well wasn't there For Arsenal And about Is there a specialist You know we heard about The smoke about Kadira And he's not really a DM Arteta's aging the Wilshere's You know kind Not of good DM, but Not there yet <laughs> Yeah exactly I'm not a DM either And you know There's a lot of players in there And there's a lot of bodies But there's probably not a Physical specialist. Because I think they probably need a physical specialist as well. well yeah, I, you I think
0: that if, you, if you're going to play their style of play, you need somebody who, who is physically very dynamic. And also has a... I think the other thing you need to add to that is a really good passing range. Like, they need to be able to kind of ping the ball around the park, a bit like Paul School's, and get the fast attack started. Because Arsenal now finally have, you know, speed um, in in the front line, and you want to be able to attack as quickly as possible. Like, the the two... So, so the signing that they added earlier in the season, the big one, was Alexis Sanchez, and I thought that, you know, for me at the beginning of the summer, I said he was the one name that was, you know, on the available list that I had at the top of my list for Arsenal. I think Sanchez does all sorts of things; he's very versatile. He can play literally anywhere across the front, the front four. Um, so, uh, depending on what formation you're running, I would definitely prefer that Arsenal run a four-two-three-one, but that's not what they do. They run a four-one-four-one in the last three games. Anyway, so he's good. The, the 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 big question going in, though, was they've always had this problem with the left side. Um, they've got a lot of right-sided players. Uh, Ozil operates the best on the right. Theo Walcott operates best on the right. Um, Sanchez has generally been right or central, uh, both at Arsenal and, and, for the most part, at uh, at Barcelona. So they've got this, this kind of left-sided gap, and they've got that center-forward gap. Um, obviously, Olivier Giroud was injured uh, and is out for three to four months which in Arsenal terms could mean three years, you know, that's Diaby-esque type thing, but uh, he, he'll probably be back um, at the turn of the year, so they needed one more body. And that one more body was Danny Welbeck. How do you feel about Danny Welbeck?
1: Oof. <laughs> There's a lot there I wanted to reply to, but we'll go on to, go on to Welbeck first. Uh, Welbeck, I'm a, I'm a, I think we might disagree on this one, we might end up the sound like talk sport People like that they
0: like it when we do you knows
1: two awful presenters on Talksport? I thank God I don't live in England <laughs> I, don't have to to this. I, don't, I can't even remember their names anymore but um, oh, Adrian someone is his name um, but yeah I I'm not entirely convinced It's uh, it, you know on uh, first blush 60 million sounds a lot of money it's actually not anymore is it no N- uh, if, so, if, you're, the, if
0: you're less than 20 you're probably you know in the cheapest range
1: yeah, I think we kind of need to readjust our kind of approach to how we feel about these, these transfer fees being in sixteen million or Rodwell went for twelve and all the rest of it. This is this isn't a vast amount of money anymore. Like I don't think now. Listen, Welbeck's twenty three, probably a versatile forward and kind of we you know that Arsenal like their little versatile forwards who can play in multiple positions. The, the question would always be with Welbeck was, is he ever going to score enough? Do you, do you know what I mean? Is he is he going to score? Enough? He has a lot of nice, not uh, nice things to his game. He passes well. He's quick. He's physical enough. He has decent feet. Is he actually going to score enough for what Arsenal need? Because they probably need another center forward, not a, another utility forward.
0: Right. I mean, that's that's fair, but it's it's a bit it's tricky to evaluate guys who don't generally play in a particular position, right? Um, when Welbeck has played in the center forward, he's been pretty good. He's he's over a goal a game. Uh, or not a goal game, but uh, a goal every two games, so 0.5 um, uh, MPG 90. Uh, you've, you commented on sub-effects, but he's also played wide a lot, and so that that often counters the sub-effects. Um, the the issue here is that the, the kind of data stream is interrupted. Uh, he goes from like a 0.3 MPG scoring rate um, at Sunderland to 0.44, I think, in his first year back at United, and then he's got like a 0.06. And you're like... Wow, what happened in 12-13 that you could not put the ball in the net?
1: Yeah, well, I did a a little kind of very, very brief five minutes on Welbeck last night, and I did a little bit of thing on his positions. The off year was 2012-13, wasn't it? Yeah. Right, so I have him listed, the positions he played. How many games did he play in his position? Seven as a striker, seven as wide left, nine wide right, and four as a second striker. He's never really played wide right except for that one season. Well, it's good, because no, Arsenal don't need him there. <laughs> no, no, for sure. Like, and, you know, when he, when he played striker, he played 24 games as a striker, apparently. This is according to, to Transfer Market and uh, Football Lineups. Uh, 24 games as a forward or a striker in 11-12, 13 last year. And those, are, coincidentally, the two seasons he scored nine goals apiece. So, basically, as a forward, I've got him listed as playing 44 games and getting 16 goals, which isn't too bad. He's young, remember? Yeah. You know, yeah, he,
0: he's they're, not they're, even
1: 24 yet. No, no, no. So we're talking about last year was his 23rd-year-old season, then it was 22 and 21, so that's still pretty young. When he's played as a forward, he actually scores a little bit. When he plays wide, he doesn't score. Right. You know, this, this, those are the, the very simple, basic numbers. But, but you
0: also have to, you have to remember, like, Fergie has sort of classically used wide guys um, who run a lot, who are, who are very diligent, as basically sec- extra defenders. For a long time, like uh, Park Ji-sung used to start out on the, on the left. Rooney used to start on the left in, um, in Champions League games. And he w- they would be out there to just be absolutely dogged on guys that um, Fergie was worried about on, on the wide right uh, uh, attack from, from other, other teams. So because of that, like, there are probably tactical issues from, from Alex anyway that, that were keeping his scoring down. It's like your job is is to link up and then just to make sure that that fullback or or the winger just has a terrible day and they have to push everything central.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of... Well, it's kind of a little Welbeck because he was physically able to do it. Yeah. And so basically you get put there, <laughs> you get placed there. It's not something that Van Persie could have done or Berbatov if you go even further back. That's, it's just, unfortunately, that's, that's the way he was and he was a young player as well and he was developing. So
0: yesterday I, I decided to start a little bit of shit um, because I was you know people were being annoyed at me anyway for something that I said. And I was like, I put up the, the scoring rate for, for Welbeck last year and also for Falcao. And Welbeck had a point five. Uh, 0.55 mpg per 90 uh, last year in the Premier League on a not particularly good team, by the way. Like you know, you, whatever you think of United, they weren't awesome. Um, in League One, a weaker league, uh, on Monaco that had a lot better talent than than most of their opponents, Falcao had a 0.45 scoring rate. And so you know, just I just put that out there. No no additional data. Obviously, you should be looking at many seasons of data and have better. Um, interpretation of it, but I just thought that it would be fun to see people's reaction to that. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, quickly, kind of, you know, that started a torrent of abuse, and I'm like, oh, fine, that's that's what I asked for. Yeah, yeah.
1: this this is what Twitter is So, well, so isn't 16 it,
0: really? million but is what Arsenal paid my, for an English kid who turns 24
1: this year. Are we okay with this? It it depends, and I'm going to ask you a question here. It's like if if Welbeck is the is the answer, like. Like kind of what was the question? Is he going to be bought here as a left forward? As a kind of you know, because like you said before in your little blurb about Arsenal, about Arsenal have that kind of hole in the, in the kind of left forward kind of shape. If he's been bought for there, I'm not entirely sure how much you're going to get out of him in terms of whether it be goals or creation or or anything else. If you play him as a forward, I think I think there might actually be a player there. I, but I
0: think that I, he has been purchased right now as because Giroud is injured until yeah. probably January as the primary option at centre-forward.
1: I, th- I think so. And if he's been bought as a centre-forward, my next question would be, does he shoot enough?
0: Well, that's the big question. Um, and my answer to that would be, Arsenal forwards are going to get a lot of shots. They, they can't help but get a lot of shots. If your link-up play is good, um, you will just inherently get a lot of balls played to you. Now, Welbeck is probably one of the fastest players in the Premier League. Uh, he doesn 't necessarily get to use it that often, but my goodness, I saw there was a sprint the other day where he started probably twenty yards behind um, the the rest of the attack, and they were on the break, and he just he caught up and passed everybody. You're like, wow, that was really fast. Arsenal need that guy. They haven't really had many of those guys. And when Theo's injured, they don't have anybody. Like, Sanchez is, is a, one that could work. But if you look at their, their attacking midfielders, like Cazorla and Ramsey and Ozil, and uh, basically their entire team, is capable of playing good through balls. Like, that, that's kind of what they're, they're brought up with. And so having somebody who can run onto these and, and be the guy who plays off the last man... Like, I think he he's going to get a ton of chances and a lot of his chances are going to be really good quality.
1: Yeah, I kind of hope he I kind of hope he does. Like I said, you I think he does have some some physical attributes. and He's quick enough and he has good enough feet and he seems to, you know, pretty intelligent in link up play. My my worry with him was and it's not too much money either was just basically does he shoot enough? And it's a muddled picture because he's played so many different positions. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So it's, it's, it's a hard it's analysis. It's very difficult. So it is a hard analysis. But I think, it's, I think it's probably a decent gamble. You're talking 23. You can fill in for Giroud when Giroud isn't here. Hopefully, he can be better than Giroud. He can also play left. He can play just off the striker, play multiple positions, which Wenger is kind of known to like. You know, his, The squad is littered with these players that can play multiple positions. But you know, I think will Arsenal fans kind of feel a little bit Underwhelmed, you know. I see. I saw some Arsenal fans yesterday comparing this to the storage signing that Liverpool mm, We're did. not there, and I'm not sure. <laughs> no, I don't think so. If you If you look about, about that storage, later, like I, I'm going to yeah. be
0: realistic on this
1: one. Yeah, just just to just to quickly, in case people don't know, storage was. Storage was lights out of wherever he played, whether it be Man City or whether it be Chelsea or whether it be Bolton. In limited minutes, he was generating over five shots a game from age 18 all the way through to 22. Liverpool snapped him up, and he just continued that kind of form. Welbeck is shooting about 2.8, 2.9 times a game.
0: Yeah, so his shooting rate is good. It's not great.
1: Yeah, but again, it, it, it's a muddy picture because of the, the the kind of different positions and because of his, you know, his is basically able to play in multiple positions. Well, and and also
0: realized that, you know, he... he he doesn't have a big ego, or at least he hasn't displayed it. You know, he's part of that Manchester United program that that always had huge stars around him. So he was never going to be a primary option for the most part, and his stats look like he's a secondary option. If you look at Sanchez in Barcelona, like his stats look like a secondary option, but you know he's lucky enough to play with the world's greatest players on in attack, and obviously that fueled some amazing stuff. Uh, Sanchez is great, no question. So right. l- let me. It, so Welbeck is English. He's twenty three. He went for 16 million. He had a scoring rate of 0.55 last year. It's all good. Le- Manchester City last year bought a 23-year-old kid with a scoring rate of uh, 0.43. Uh, better, better shot generation, I would say. Probably, possibly a little more versatile. But they paid like 24 million for him. And how good is Stevan Jovetic this year?
1: Yeah, he's. He, I think he will end up being very good. In very limited minutes last year, I was really quite impressed with the overteach. He, he, he looked g-
0: amazing. And people were like, oh, it looked like he was crap. Man, you're you're seeing a different player than I did. Every time that Every, he was on the pitch, you're like, wow, he's he's electric.
1: Yeah, for certain, for certain games, I was able to find from you know, dangerous and dark corners of the internet and be able to watch those games back from Man City games. They used to track things called like a zone entry. Who's taking the ball into the final third? Who's passing the ball into the final third? Who's successful in doing it? And I always remember there was one game, I think it was when it came on against Chelsea, when Man City got beat. I think they got beat 1-0 at home. And he was just out of this world. He was just literally, he was the entire driving force of that. And there was other games he started as well where he was the, the, the driving force. He would pick it up, he would run it. Other players would want to give it to him. He was, he's quick enough, he's strong enough. I think he's probably quite a good player, I think, should we say. Yeah, no, he's he's excellent. Um, but again, we need to see more. You know, you're talking very, very limited minutes last year. He needs to stay fit. Right, but
0: in, as, in the games that he's played, he has been sort of world-class. And, and City are going to drive up... People's offensive production uh, a bit like uh, a bit like Real do, but you know we're, we're at a point where you have to be pretty comfortable in saying you know Jovetic looks like he fits in great.
1: Yeah, I think so, and you know, apart what, I wonder how much you know. How much? How many factors went into the Grado sale yesterday? I think a lot of it was family, actually. But you know, I kind of wonder if uh, Jovic actually starting the season well and showing well and going all the way back into preseason may well have just made the, the sale of Negredo a little bit easier for, for Man City to handle. Sure.
0: All right. So let, let's let's sort of segue into City um, Arsenal. Arsenal did okay, but they, they once again left big gaps. Um, they, they addressed half of their needs, I think, is how I put it.
1: Yeah, I don't think Arsenal was enough. I think, as regards to City, I think City are a very strange one. I think it looks like it's a lot to do with continuity and they kind of added depth. So you signed
0: Sanya, you signed, Sonia, you signed uh, 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 Fernando. How old is
1: Fernando? Fernando is twenty six. Or, uh, Somewhere around there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, don't quote me. on around that. Uh,
0: Caballero, who I think is actually excellent and, and an underrated goalkeeper, you signed him for a good price. Uh, let's see, who else we got? Uh, Sold Rodwell. Oh, signed Frank <laughs> uh, uh, Mangala for a, an incredible price. And that looks like about it. You got some kits.
1: Yeah, it is. You know, and it it looks a lot like depth, like Caballero's competition. Sanya is the, the needed competition for Zabaleta who played ninety percent of the league minutes last year for Man City, no, which is way competition. too much. Let me just
0: And it's on this
1: weekend's game. And I, and I, wanted to, I wanted to touch on this. When they signed Sanya, I was, I, I think you and I would have agreed that he's too old, not quite what they needed, the contract was too long, the wage was too high, you could just go on and absolutely on. Basically, on on Saturday when Man City got beat by Stoke, Sanya looked like what, what happens when you play a game of five-a-side and you're one-man short, so you have to call around friends who <laughs> so you don't really know. Right? And you don't really know, and you don't know how good they are. And they turn up and you're like, are you any good? And they're like, yeah, yeah, I'm really good. And then they play and you're like... No, you're not very good. Th- this is, this is, is my entire
0: experience you. with Five Aside, uh, so, oh. you know, I, I, I won't take it personally.
1: No, but that, that, that's, kind of, that's kind of what it looked like. He just looked like the square peg. And obviously some of that is systems and getting used to it and getting up to speed and match fitness and all the rest of it. But He can't, he can't it, run but. like Zabaleta. He can't.
0: He doesn't have the legs anymore. Uh,
1: he doesn't have the passing. Yeah. It, it, was, it, was, it was literally the, the, the simple ability to to give a pass and keep a pass in w- with the three areas of the field, the defensive third, middle third, and attacking third. That was the biggest drop-off for me. It wasn't so much that he didn't have the physicality, because very few do. It was just the, the the actual passing range, and you be like, "My God, this is this is not good." But aside aside from it that
0: game, like you know, C- City absolutely destroyed Liverpool, um, and you know they they had a great side last year. They're, all of their metrics look amazing. It's shocking how good their defense was. I'm I mean, people don't respect that, but in five years of Premier League, uh, they have the lowest shots against um, in a season. So it doesn't you know Mourinho's comeback that wasn't it. Um, all of the good teams, even Mancio, didn't have this this level of shots against.
1: No, it, yeah, it's, it's right. I remember you seeing there, we kind of inserted this into the into the Man City preview on stats bomb. There was, there was other things as well. Was, uh, every now and again, I track a wild start, and one of it was zone time. How much time did Man City spend their defensive zone? You do this for the entire league, you look at how many shots against they conceded. That was the lowest of work as well. So it wasn't just that Man City were preventing teams from getting into their defensive zone. Even when those teams were in the defensive third, Man City was still the best team in the league. Yeah. Basically shutting it down, breaking up the ball, clearing their crosses, clearing the three balls. They, they were the best at that. Super they, they dominant. Were very good. Uh,
0: and one thing that I, I noticed about them that I've been meaning to do a piece on, like City are always interesting because they play a different system than, than everybody else in the league. And it's, it's a fairly subtle system. You don't necessarily notice what's going on. But they've got this midfield triangle rotation that makes it almost impossible for other teams to, to do anything with the ball. Uh, or to get it off of them, because their guys are really good with the ball. And they they basically, they set up, one guy comes, another guy runs, and they just look for these different sets of passes and different sets of movements until they eventually, <coughs> they move the defense around a number of times, they bring guys out, and then they create space in, in behind. Like, it's so rare, and I don't know like if, it, if you have to be hyper-skilled in order to do that, or if it's just a really special wrinkle that Pellegrini has brought. But it's,
1: it's Yeah, like, is it? It is an interesting system. It's almost like they have those two wide players that both play their off wings, which is where a right footer plays you know, on the left side and all left bit. And what they do is they drift inside and drift deep and create that like that rotating triangle you talked about. And then if you add the two fullbacks pushing up higher on the pitch as well to that kind of rotation, it's just a whirl and a, a kind of swirl of movement, which is very very difficult to kind of shut down. When, when Man City kind of camp around all the team's boxes. And, all and, and
0: also, teams. like, the, the defenders are, are capable of operating on islands. Like, Fernandinho and Fernando, both, you know, super physical. They're not going to get taken off the ball. Obviously, Yaya is the biggest player in the league, basically. And, and then, you know, the, the, the guys in, in the defense itself, like the two centre backs are also, like, they're going to make some mistakes, but they're generally <coughs> pretty good. Now, company, I'm, I'm still... Like every, the more I see of Vinny, the less I think that he's like the world beater, and the more I think that he's he's <laughs> sort of the the second later phase of uh, of Rio Ferdinand. After he had the back problems, you're like he can have good games, but there are times when he just looks completely outclassed
1: now. I think I think there's actually <coughs> there's actually times within games where he will do something really well, like he, you know he will step out and he'll strip the ball away, His positions exemplary, or make an ex- a you know a fantastic block. And there's other times where someone does that little knock move where they pass the ball around him and he just stands there, yeah.
0: like I, I'm
1: a wardrobe. And he will not be <laughs>
0: so so how, how, do, how do you grade City's transfers? Like they they added depth mostly. They did add you know Mangala, who seems like a world class player in the center.
1: Yeah, this is. The, I think Mangala is going to be the kind of the key to how we look back on this. I think you always need to look back on transfer windows probably about three years out. You know, we're getting we're almost two or two or three years out from the the kind of Manchini last window. Um, you know where we had Nastasic and we had Sinclair brought in and all the rest of it. And there's only really Richard Wright left. Of that actual transfer window, right. so you know this one, this one to those City. I, I don't really like Sanya as a as a kind of option. I guess it's cheap and it's depth and yada yada. Caballero should be a very good one. Fernando offers you kind of some flexibility of playing three in midfield, and he is a true, looks like a true defensive midfielder and a kind of breaker up of uh, opposition attacks. And, you know, it looks like for City they've actually just gone through continuity and just tried to add a few little depth pieces, a few, a bit more squad depth, and basically Mangala is the jewel. But I'm not sure how long it will take Mangala. He's 23. We may well see the best of him in three years rather than straight away. My only concern yeah. with
0: City is age. Like, that squad age keeps creeping up. Um, at, yeah. they, they look, and they keep renewing guys who are, who are not young.
1: But yeah. have, have
0: good performances. So, you know, like two, three years down the road, you're going to wind up... We'll, we'll talk about... The other side of Manchester next, but you're going to wind up in a in a situation where if guys fall off, you're You're, you got a lot of wasted wages there.
1: Well, it's like I said about um, Company. I I like Company a lot more than you do, but I actually compared him to the the Marlin in the Old Man in the Sea. (laughs) I don't know if you've read the book, The Old Man in the Sea. (laughs) (laughs) You know the Marlin when you get this. Welcome to Ben's Literary Hour, everyone. (laughs) you You get the great fantastic Marlin, you know, from the ocean, and every sort of as the Marlin's being towed back to sea by this small little boat time and the sharks just kind of nibble away and I kind of feel a little bit like that with company the injuries are just going to chip away at him and he may well chip away at Aguero as well I hope not, Aguero is just such a wonderful player to watch and such an explosive player it'd be a shame to see him and, uh, and, and Michael Owen or Fowler or Torres, where the snap has gone? Yeah,
0: I think they're going to I think they're going to baby him a lot, and I think that you'll see him getting sub minutes, which which will make his scoring rate even more ridiculous when he's out.
1: Yeah, and I, I think I think they will baby him a lot because I think they realised they probably tried to rush him back too early last year, which just brings you back to why they sold McGregor, which is an interesting point. They've left themselves with three strikers and a couple of youth prospects that are miles off. You know, maybe three is enough, but if one of those gets injured, you're left with only two. I do kind of wonder whether there might be a little bit of a tweak of a formation with either Torre or Silva going centrally and higher than they, we actually see them at the moment. Yeah, it, it I don't really know.
0: There's also a, a kid that you guys have the, that was amazing in pre-seasons you're waiting for a w- work permit on that um, you'll probably bring through for, like, cup game
1: He, stuff. Yeah, that, that if people don't know him, Kelechi Hianacho, I think is his name. But he was, he was 17 playing in pre-season and looks looked very, very accomplished. He turns 18 on the 6th of October which is when he can actually sign a pro contract. Yeah,
0: he didn't, he didn't yeah. look out of place in those preseason City teams, which at that age is kind of shocking. So yeah, give me yeah, a great exactly, yeah. what, what do we feel about City? Give me a grade. I, th-
1: I, think, they've, I think they might have missed a trick a little bit here with, with a, a kind of a further strengthening. They obviously felt this team was good enough. There was no room to bring in a young 23 or 4 year old striker or attacking midfielder or centre midfielder, so they didn't. They basically bought in the young defender, which is what they, you know, which is actually did. Man City actually made a profit in this window. I'm not sure if this is going to be a good window if we look down two or three years time. It's probably enough for this year, but they got a little bit older, not that much better. It looks like they're relying on the kind of continuity and the kind of the growth in the squad and Pellegrini. You know, everyone gets is used B to Pellegrini's Do you think B is a good one? I, I'd I'd probably say that might be fair. They've lost the grade, they've <laughs> lost the striking option, added a better defender. Everything else is a bit meh.
0: Okay, sorry, we got a B. Uh the other side of Manchester. <laughs> oh, okay. oh, uh, so we, last year the the uh the meme essentially for Manchester was Moise In from all the uh, the people who are not Manchester United fans. Um sorry about that. Uh and uh so essentially this year it's it's uh, Ed Woodward in because these, these deals are uh let's see, Andrew Herrera for the listed is twenty nine million, uh Luke Shaw thirty one million Uh, Let's see. Marcos Rojo for 16 to 20. Angel Di Maria, 60 million. uh, Daily Blint for 14 to 18, depending on who you believe. And then there's Falcao, who... uh, Falcao's agents uh, via Balagay say they've insisted that this is actually a transfer, but it's a loan first and then will be a transfer for, like, what, 55 million euros or something crazy? Um, But the, the, the reports in England say that it's a it 's a season long loan with something like uh fifteen million in fee and plus some wages uh, anyway it 's all over the place, but it 's extremely expensive those are the, Those are the incomings now United obviously had needs and to some extent they 've addressed these needs all over the park. but the other thing that they they had that was difficult anyway is they had a lot of outgoings they, had, they have seventeen out, and they 're not just kids that left like these are you know, Danny Welbeck's gone, obviously. Uh, Shinji Kagawa, who just mismanaged, um, he's he. I think he'll go back to Dortmund and be great. He's still not old. Uh, Javier Hernandez uh, went to Real Madrid. Okay, so so two of the the United strikers that they've kind of cast off have gone to Champions League teams that are like, oh no, we can definitely use this guy. Shinji Kagawa goes to another Champions League team. Uh, Zaha is back to Crystal Palace on a season long loan. Uh, Nani, <laughs> the the worst <laughs> contract extension ever, <laughs> has gone off to uh, to Sporting Lisbon, where United will in fact pay basically all of his wages to get <laughs> to get rid of him for the season.
1: Lovely. Uh, uh, yeah.
0: Real, <laughs> Ferdinand's gone, vidic is gone, butner is gone, Makeda is gone. <laughs> like, this is a ton of guys that are gone now. They they brought in quality, but are they that much better than they were last year? And <laughs> got
1: call. It's, you know, we could probably do an entire entire show on Man United and, and kind of what's happening. I actually think this, this is what what they're actually trying to do now with, the, you know, chipping out the deadwood, trying to reshape the squad and mould the squad and add some more pace <coughs> in, the, in wide positions and full-backs and midfield. This is probably what they should have done last year, and they either didn't trust Moyes or Ferguson didn't think it needed doing or the management still thought this was a good team. I don't really know what they were thinking. This should have happened last year, but instead... They had a they had a terrible season, finished seven. Every single agent in the world knew that Man- Manchester United had tons of money and were going to be super desperate. Yeah, it, w- it would have been a lot
0: easier if they'd done it last year, because they still had the Champions League, and the, they didn't look super desperate.
1: Yeah, they had the Champions League, this, you know, they were still coming off a, a season where, you know, it, it was kind of some very, very good performance. Like, it just would have been so much easier to do this last year. You wouldn't have overpaid, you could have got better players, you could have taking more time of it. I just kind of wonder whether it was a a, a kind of trust disconnect between upper management and Moyes and what actually needed doing or whatever the hell it was.
0: Yeah, I'm just going to say a flat thing I think they overpaid for basically every deal except for perhaps Rojo and Daley Blind. The other deals are just huge overpays. Um, yeah. And Herrera, who I like, but I didn't like it—you know, thirty million—that much. Um, yeah, I just... Luke Shaw, who I think is very good, but if you were looking at Luke Shaw for you know sixteen to twenty million, sure, great. At thirty-one, urgh, that's that's a lot. You know, Di Maria. Oza went for 42. Di Maria is very similar, very similar profile of of creation. He's a great player. There's, we're not saying he's not a great player. Is he 60 million pounds worth? Is is that how good he? How many? I mean, 60 million pounds is is what five players in the world that are generally going to be strikers, and that's it. Mm.
1: Like I, th- I think. I think if we look at the, the overpays, just looking through a list here of the ones Money United signed, this has gone into last season. We talk about Matter at 37 million yeah. that we didn't like at the time. We talked about that at the time, and obviously, we said that was the overpay. Yeah, and Fellaini, and you're going all the way through, and you're like, you know, obviously they, they have brought in some good players, and they have, you know, <coughs> we don't know how good Rojo is, but he's probably going to be an upgrade on what they previously had. Luke Shaw, you don't like him that much, but he's probably going to be. A decent enough no player. I like
0: him enough I, I think he's good I didn't like that price I think that price is you know 11-12 yeah, million too much bananas. but that, that's like, the story of their summer
1: Blind might be good and you know obviously if you, if you go on to the, the, the two kind of marquee ones here Di Maria is a, is a very very good player and he's a, he's a kind of versatile player as he showed in Madrid last year Falcao like
0: he's you know Ben he, and I he, both have opinions on Falcao and unfortunately for the listeners they agree
1: <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> what's, what's like, the problem yeah,
0: with Falcao briefly
1: well, I I remember doing something last year on a blog that no one reads about Falcao, about basically saying a, a warning sign with him. There's two warning signs coming off his very good season at Atletico. One, he took tons of penalties. Two, he he scored loads, loads of generated loads of shots and scored goals uh, in the air, aerially with Hedisk. He's a very physical player, he's, he's very dominant in the air, and my... my kind of finishing point to that blog was I'd be worried about, one, age, two, the amount of penalties he scores, and three, the amount of chances he has to generate in the air. And this was that,
0: before the injury?
1: This was 2012-13, this was, this was yep. so before he went to Monaco, after he had a very good season at Atletico, that was what I was worried about then with Falcao, because there was rumours he was going to everyone, Man City, every, every single club in the world is rumours to that, that was the worry I had last year. Now, we go a year later didn't exactly tear the French League up with a team that has a talent disparity compared to the rest of the league. He's um, a year old, he's 29 this year, and basically, he just blew out his entire knee.
0: Yep, Last coming year. off a huge injury. So, alright, so, I was, we I, we agree on this, and I think that Falcao is on the downslope, like, you've seen his plateau, uh, he was great, like, at, at one point he was very, very good, we'll say that, but he was never yeah. sort of Ibrahimovic good, he's not, he wasn't in the same class as Messi and Ronaldo, um, or even you know Marco Royce right now. Uh, so all right, here, here's a prop wager for you. Even up, Falcao, Danny Welbeck, who's going to have more goals in the league this season from this point forward?
1: Oof. Oh man, that's that's such a nuanced, <laughs> interesting bet because you know we, we don't know about Falcao. Will he will he pick up the little kind of knee swelling injuries that players sometimes get after they come off a cruciate? Do you know that you know yeah. will he will he get those and miss games because it happens like for sure it happens. I would probably say... Oh, God. I would probably say Falcao, because and before people say, oh, you actually like Falcao, I think he might yet have one good season left in him. I'm not saying he's terrible now, like by any stretch of imagination. My concern with Falcao is, one, what you're paying him, two, if that is a permanent deal, you are talking about a four-year contract. Yeah. And that might be a four-year contract from next year, by the way, not from this year. So that could be a four-year contract from his... Age twenty-nine to thirty-year-old season onwards, which is just absolutely bananas.
0: No, y- exactly. Uh, you know, with with that profile, we're we're going to assume that his age is what it says it is, as opposed to the rumors from when he was getting ready to move that said he might have been two to three years older. Um, the, 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 the thing that made this necessary is the exact thing that Ben and I are talking about um, in terms of contracts for older players, though. Robin van Percy is probably out, and he could be seriously injured. It, m- it might be career jeopardy type injury, is what it, is what the people I know in, in the Netherlands are saying. Um, essentially, he's, he's injured again. He played in the World Cup; like it was a gamble, and he's got to undergo surgery. It looks like you know could be four months, could be six months, could be he might not play much anymore. Uh, that's you know again, this is rumor, but this is it's also he's definitely out, and he so. You know, when they bought him, they bought him for, what, $24 million. Um, Obviously, his wage package is going to be massive. It was his last big contract. And he was absolutely great for one season. People are like, well, he won us the league in that year. Like, okay, fine. And the other three years or four years or however long his contract is, you're paying essentially, what, uh, 12 million pounds in wages every single year <coughs> that he can't play. And that's that's the gamble that you're looking at. Now, United are lucky enough that they have like a gobsillion dollars and their Mm. their um, commercial is is great. But you have to be really careful as any other normal team in signing players to these deals.
1: Yeah, like Van Persie was another one I didn't massively like. I wrote something, I think, when he scored 11 goals in his first 10 games for Man United or something like that, where I basically said, I don't like the deal. One, because if you look at his history, he's just always injured, apart from his last season at Arsenal. Yeah,
0: he had had three good seasons total, and that was it, and
1: that's all he got. And that's it. He had a season probably about 23 or 24, he stayed relatively healthy. Then his last season at Arsenal, super healthy, knocked the lights out, the, the best... 28 year old season in Premier League history, I think it was. First year, Man United knocked the lights off. Everyone was like, oh, he's fit, he's going to stay fit and healthy. Look, it's a new Van Persie. Actually, it's not a new Van Persie, and you're paying 250 grand a week, and he's going to be possibly injury prone for the remainder of his, his kind of contract, you know. And if these rumours are true that his knee is, a, his knee is in a right mess, then that's just unfortunate. The thing about Falcao, if we kind of roll this back to Falcao, if it's a one year loan and it's going to total at about 15 million sterling to do with wages and fees and all the rest of it, is this a worthwhile gamble? Do you think if it gets them near what they where they want? Well, to be I
0: mean, the the comp- biggest problem is that they're not going to get into the Champions League.
1: I, I, you think you think even even with what they've done and what they could still possibly do in January because it could get even more desperate. You never know; it could get worse before it gets better. You don't think this is anywhere near enough. I think they'll get better, but the
0: problem is like they're just they're in a hole right now, and you know that that whole like the the Champions League competition in the Premier League this year is the most competitive thing that you'll ever see. It's, it is absolutely unbelievable how many teams are good, the managers are better, the talent depth is there, and unfortunately they've started out with a soft schedule. It's, it's yeah. not a hard schedule, and they only have two points out of it. That's
1: no, and I, Yeah, and I kind of wonder with United, they do only have two points, and I just kind of think about how long will it take to gel, how long will these systems you know, take for, for the players to kind of digest them? How long will the individual players... It's just so... They've basically just smashed it all together Man United, New manager, new systems, throwing loads of players out, throwing loads of new players in, who are very good players, some of them, and basically said, this should go and work. And I don't think it really yeah, works they're, like they're that.
0: They're a season away, I think, um, and there's not much that Plus, they can do about it. Uh, if, if it's my, just a loan, then so be it, right? They can throw money. If it's, if it's a signing, that's, that's a problem, I think.
1: My 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 question about Manchester United is, is is kind of is this I don't think we've really seen it in kind of football because teams managed teams that kind of sink down the table manage to do it for the, I don't know it's financial problems or something like that maybe we should look at Liverpool about how they went from the top to to kind of mid-table obscurity but if you look at the number of overpays that, they've made and the amount of money they've hemorrhaged that can't go on forever Manchester United make an absolute fortune yeah if- and they could usually by the way out of trouble but if you overpay by ten million on every single transfer and then you decide these plays might not be good well, enough. And you assume, let, assume the I, wages
0: are, are compensated too. So they're not just overpaying and yeah. signing guys, they're overpaying like wages I, too.
1: Yeah, I, and I think about people like Mata and I kinda think about if he ends up being marginalized, how are you gonna get rid of him? Yeah. Like I've, Man, who, who Man- can Man City had absolute fits trying to get rid of the players they signed around 2009-10 season it's when they Hughes signed. Huge
0: period, right? Or
1: yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Hughes had some very good signings when he when he didn't All have right, that much on. money. Hang on, we Pump can't tangent this
0: way. We're going to run out of time. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, Chelsea. This
0: one won't take long. We got Chelsea, um, Fabregas in, uh, Felipe Luis in, uh, Drogba kind of back in, uh, and Loic Remy. N. So that's that's a that's a good set of ends. Uh, Remy is, provides. Oh, and Diego Costa, who. Is just, whoop, sorry, the, the important um, Out, uh, You've got uh, David Luiz, who for <laughs> <a> ridiculous fee. <laughs> I'm looking at this 40 million. It might even be more than that. What a fantastic piece of business that was. Uh, Demba Ba, um, Lukaku, who wasn't really there, but they, they sold them. So, and uh, then uh, about half a million loans.
1: <laughs> that's yeah. It's, it's, I kind of wonder that, with David Luiz. Yeah, that's I, w- I wonder. Great if, window, right? Yeah, this fantastic window. I kind of wonder with David Luiz whether the phone call was taking place. I imagine a, a piece of paper and someone with a pen in front of him, and basically someone's just asking. You know, maybe PSG said we'll bid thirty-five million for him. And someone's just laughing their head off. You know, with a hand over the phone saying he's never worth this. Ask for forty. Yeah. Ask for forty. PSG. PSG go. Okay, we'll pay forty. Just <laughs> like unbelievable. But. Chelsea, Chelsea. I think have had significantly the the best window of of any of the, the the Premier League teams. I think personally, you know, they they had they had did have some needs. They had they needed a star centre forward and they needed some depth at centre forward. Costa is the star. Remy is the depth. They needed a creator in midfield because although their midfield control was pretty good with Mikel and Ramirez and Matic, none of them particularly creative. Fabregas fills that in spades. They they just had a very good window. They they sell players for you know for, for enormous profit, and they kind of reinvest it and they sign better players. No, I don't think any of the players Chelsea sold in Lukaku or Luis have harmed the the first eleven. Kind no, of no, not quality. at all.
0: And but, and not only that, button, like they're uh, better at creating, uh, they're better at breaking
1: yeah. teams down. Like
0: Cesc is. Sus- Sus- one of the best in the world at just breaking teams down. Um,
1: my, yeah, and I think my my one concern about <laughs> Chelsea will be, and I kind of wrote this in the, the stats one preview, would be they have depth in certain positions, but they don't have depth in those two key positions that we just talked yeah, about. Yeah, that's. And
0: Gra- Graham McCary, who's the head of the, the football at SB Nation, like they're they're at least a midfielder short, um, mm. but it's it's good for the rest of the Premier League. Like you don't want to see anybody get injured, but. Like just the, no. the, the wear and tear Also there's, there's an interesting thing about Fabregas I did, um, I did some work on, on Fabregas this summer And his second half performances Actually have consistently fallen off uh, we, we got just a thing Maybe even yesterday That said that he's got a, a long term hernia issue And his, his, his first couple of games this year Have been the first time he's, he, he's played without pain uh, So it's, it's, a, it's not a, a direct injury thing But it might be something that kind of wears him down <laughs> Over the course of the season
1: yeah, I think so. And the Barca fans always used to go on about, you know, the the cheer from in the first 19 games and then the boom in the, the second 19 games. And some of that might be, you know, and some of that might be the wear and tear. Like you said, it could it could be hernia groins. It could be just just the wear and tear that footballers accumulate. They, they kind of take his toll on his body. But you know, he's a fine player. My concern with, with with Chelsea, as I said in that preview, was if there's an injury to Costa, is there enough behind him? I think I think uh, Remy helps a little bit. You know, when the drug was kind of coming on in a wheelchair every time they bring him on, so I'm not sure how much Trogba <laughs> helps. And, um, but, you know, I think Fabregas actually might be the, the key one because Chelsea kind of survived without a centre-forward last year for long spells. And, you know, they kind of got, a, they got around this with their great attacking midfield well, trio. And Shur- Shur- was, actually right? can play there too. Uh, he can, he, but you're saying that you wouldn't want him to for, for a, a spell of eight or ten games, would you, I don't think. Probably not, but he's, no. he's good. He, yeah. You know. Yeah, he's a plug in and play kind of forward that can do it. But that's my concern because we don't forget Diego Costa was pretty, you know, had some pretty significant injuries last year, not not serious injuries but talking about hamstrings and groins and knees and all the rest of it that were accumulated. I hope he stays fit. He's a wonderful player, but I just wonder the drop off from Costa to to Remy might be is, is a pretty big drop off. All
0: right, so Liverpool now. Uh you're looking at 10 first team players in and uh, you've got some outs as well, but most of those are not that big a deal aside from one guy. Um, the one guy is, uh, let's, he's a big deal. <laughs> so Luis Saar has gone for, for $75 million, But but um, what Liverpool needed to do is basically rebuild their squad so that they could survive in the Champions League, which they didn't have last year. And Ben and I have talked about it and said it was a big deal. Um, you know, other people have been like, oh, well, you're discounting them. like, it's it's not that we're discounting what they did. It's just that it makes it a lot easier when you don't have to worry about 50-some-odd games. You only have to worry about 43. Uh, so guys that came in, uh, Adam Lallana for $25 million, uh, Emre Chan, who uh, came from Bayer Leverkusen for ten. That's what a great deal that was. Uh, Lazer Markovic um, from uh, Benfica for twenty. million. Um, Dejan Lovren for twenty in the center of midfield. Divac Origi uh, is, is off in France for a year, so you can discount him. Uh, and the two two or maybe three big ones at the end there that actually are, are really good business. Javier Manquilo is in for a two-season loan um, at right back. Uh, Alberto Moreno, they they finally pushed that deal through from Sevilla. And Super Mario Bal- Balotelli, $16 million. <laughs> What do you think?
1: I think in the end they did. I think uh, that they, listen, they didn't have the depth last year to kind of be able to cope with a uh, you know with, uh, Champions League and League run. people might not think that playing in a Champions League league and the and the Premier League is a big thing but it probably is you know you need a bigger squad you need more depth in, you you will accumulate more injuries these things kind of happen I think they've turned the Suarez money into some pretty good players like it's almost like this this Liverpool transfer window is two tiered it's like the early ones if you look at kind of the early ones which is Lambert Lalana. And maybe you can include Lovren and that, but maybe not. Maybe it's can. And afterwards, it's just a, they've basically gone and got speedy fullbacks. They went and got Balotelli. They went and got Origi, They went and got Markovic as well. They literally signed a little bit of Premier League know-how and Lallana and Lambert, and um, obviously Lovren, which is, might be the big piece for Liverpool. That, the that big whole team.
0: Piece, I think. That whole team is kind of a, a tribute to the fact that attacking at pace is most likely to score you goals. In, in football, uh, it's, it's a huge thing uh, in the analytics community that, that Colin, I think, was the first to, to write about. But attacking at speed is, is absolutely massive in, in creating goals. And if you watch them against Spurs uh, this weekend, my God, were they fast! Like Spurs are a good team,
1: they yeah. just sh- just shredded them. They were so quick. It is, and they, they did shred them. Like I was expecting a little bit more from them when they played. City actually I know City's a pretty tough gig especially if you're playing them in Manchester but I expected a little bit more in in that and in the end Catino and um, Coutinho and Sterling both got hooked but their their attacking play they will ruin even without Suarez they will still have enough pace and enough attacking verve and systems to kind of ruin the, the kind of weaker teams not that I think Tottenham are a particular weaker team I just don't think that pochettino has got that team set yet. Yeah, oh, he he, actually, they're um, not there um, yet. To set up. No, they're not. And I'm not saying that. I don't think Liverpool are there yet. Nope. In, in terms of acclimatising players and getting the systems right and seeing what happens, I just worry about centre midfield. Is there, an, is there kind of enough there? They were trying to sell um, the Brazilian and the, you couldn't get, find a home for him. Gerard's, Gerard's just going to steadily from now on and probably has been for a few seasons already, kind of go downhill. I just wonder if it's enough. Would he play can in midfield? Is that going to be enough? We'll, I don't know.
0: we'll find out. They, they, they have a lot of good parts. Um, whether they control the center of midfield against good teams is a big question. Um, you know, they, my my big thing about Liverpool is they've been playing a system that is kind of inherently unstable. It allows them to score a lot of goals, but they give up a lot too. Uh, yeah. Against against City, who are an elite attacking team, who who are also an elite defensive team, you know, it showed. Against uh, Spurs, who, who will eventually be an elite defensive team, but aren't there yet, um, you know they, their their speed of attack just you know pushed them through. They, Spurs had some good chances in the in the first half, and then they just kind of fell off. Their their attacking play isn't ready yet. But against Chelsea, um, you know even maybe against Arsenal with with the pace, but Arsenal have the same weakness. They don't have they don't control the midfield as well as they should either. Um, so what do you what, what grade do you give Liverpool here?
1: I think they've done really well. I think they've they may have overpaid a little bit on some of the the whether it be the Lana and the the Lovren ones, but I think they've they turned the Suarez money into into some very, very good bets and some speedy forwards. I think some that's a, a
0: really good summer. Uh people would be that like, Oh, be. they did what Spurs did. Look, Spurs are Spurs have a lot of depth and a lot of talent too. Uh, yeah. they had manager issues last year. The manager one manager literally blew himself up, he, he, he made it so that he, he wouldn't be around anymore. Uh and then he got a huge deal when he left uh, and went to Russia. Uh, the other man, yeah, it's always a temporary thing. So,
1: quick word on Balotelli: hit, miss, non, meh.
0: <laughs> it's it's a good gamble. Like if if Rodgers can get him involved and and keep him interested, like sixteen million for Balotelli, his his projected stats. He's not old, and if he's interested, he is the most physically talented forward that I've seen in recent times. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, he's not Messi. Messi has a different set of talents. But Balotelli is tall. He's wicked fast. He sees the field well. He's, he's very capable of passing. You, know, you, you bring up the, the Aguero assist to, to win the league. Like, people forget that he, he's the one that saw that, and he was the one that, that just put the perfect weighted ball out there. Um, and he, he can definitely be a shot monster. Like That front three, of, if you have Sterling wide or Markovic, once he gets settled in, so Sterling, uh, Sturridge, and Balotelli, I, I, nobody in the league wants to face that.
1: No, it is. It's speed, it's physical, and all the rest of it. I, I think you're on a key point with Balotelli. That it's keeping him interested. It's not that he'll be interested immediately because he is. He will be interested now. He will be motivated now. It's the actual keeping him going, well, being able to over a period of time, and that's that seems to be the difficult thing with with Inter and Man City and AC Milan. When he goes there at the start, absolutely fine. It's the, trying to maintain his focus and his interest. Yeah,
0: well, I mean, the, the it's it's what mario wants to do really i mean at the end of the day if mario decides that that he wants to to be interested and you know he's getting to play champions league football and competing for the premier league like you know if if that motivates him or just you know treating him like an adult and and saying hey you know this is how we need you to behave and please you know just be with us we want you to be part of this like he knows that this is one of those chances like in milan he wasn't even playing in in champions league this year <laughs> yeah I, 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 I don't know. I, I really like Mario. Um, you know the stories behind it, and they, what he's overcome. I, I, I think that he can be an absolutely ridiculous footballer, and you know if if he is, Liverpool are set because my goodness, that attack is awesome.
1: Yeah, it's just about if you put it all together and, and how much he's able to put it all together. So but it's yeah, a it's a good window. Like
0: I think the this year I, we we don't we're not going to have time to talk about the lesser teams, but even teams like um, Hull did well. Southampton did okay in rebuilding, um, not great, but they they sold really well. Spurs basically didn't sign anybody, so we can't say nice things about them. <laughs> um, West Ham surprisingly, West Ham just like they had a. I think they spend, uh, ended up spending about $30 million, and they just dramatically improved their team. And it looks like a lot of those guys are what I would call um, kind of uh, analytic <coughs> signings. Like, they look good. So the, the Premier League, I think, definitely added in quality. There's a ton of money. Oh, my God, so much money. So um, One of the things that we wanted to, to talk about briefly was kind of the summer in analytics. Um, football right now is... In a spot where it's very, it's at the very beginning of kind of the analytics movement. But um, coming from Ben and I both follow American slash Canadian sports quite a bit, and coming from that type of area, we've seen these type of things happen before. What happened this summer in Canada with the hockey bloggers was crazy. Like, can you fill people in, Ben?
1: Yeah, I can. <laughs> Basically, for for a long time, for, for longer than we've seen this in football, probably stretching back to around 2007 eight might have been the the hockey analytics explosion, they called it the behind the net era, which is, in case anyone doesn't know is Gabe Darjadan started a, a website called Behind the Net, tracking all kinds of statistics from a from a live public feed, which the NHL kind of put out. That was the start of it. And ever since then, we've had bloggers <coughs> using that kind of feed and basically writing about the sport, dissecting it, what's important, what's not important, what's, what's to do with look, what's to do with skill and Basically, they've been growing and growing. It's enormously grown in the last couple of years. And basically, this summer, some of the guys just got picked off. And as soon as one got picked off, it was like dominoes. Tons, of, absolutely tons of them got picked off. The most famous one was uh, a guy called Kyle Dubas, who was a young general manager in one of the youth leagues in, in Canada. And he was hired as not just a consultant or not just uh, an analytics guy. He was hired as the assistant GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs, the most famous kind of hockey club in the world. Not famous and hockey club of... but
0: also like famously sort of anti-analytics.
1: Yeah, and that's what it was. It was a very famous kind of piece written last year by a guy called Sean McIndoe. I think it was on Grantland, actually. And the Toronto Maple Leafs front management a year ago were famously anti-analytics. We don't believe in it. We have a budget for analytics. We've never used it because everyone we've interviewed, you know, we didn't buy into their system. We thought it was rubbish. You know, we we don't believe in analytics or luck and PDO. We don't believe in all this. Toronto Maple Leafs, basically, were the poster boy going into last season and about what would happen. Would their, would their shooting percentage regress no. because they made the playoffs the previous they, year? They, they started they, the season 10-4. and Yep, yeah, they started 10-4, and four and a guy called Sean McIndoe wrote, this, Toronto Maple Leafs will be the example about do analytics work. Toronto Maple Leafs front office, they said, we don't believe in analytics. We will carry on winning. We will carry on riding this high shooting percentage, and we will make the playoffs. And that looked like it was going to happen until the last 15 games of the season. <laughs> <laughs> Where their shooting percentage and save percentage just started reverting to the meet, it, and they lost, I think it was mad. I think they lost the like, last seven games or something Yeah, it like caught that. up to them. Not, not only yeah.
0: did they not continue their hot start, but they, they continued to the point that they, they nosedived completely out of the playoffs.
1: Yeah, and, and the, the Toronto Maple Leafs were this great, huge test case. That all, all this kind of stuff was written about them. The front, manage, front management hated analytics, and basically, Toronto Maple Leafs disastrously didn't make the playoffs, and they essentially tore the thing down they hired a new president and they basically decided to hire an analytics team this, this guy's uh, Kyle Dubas is the assistant GM and not only that they went and closed the best the best free source of NHL data might have been in any kind of sports it was a fantastic yeah, ex- website yeah
0: ExoSkater was awesome
1: had all kinds of data you could query, a million different things, but also live visualize some of these things as well, like uh, projected kind of, you know, win probability and kind of how teams were out shooting each other. And basically, the Toronto Maple Leafs went to that guy called Daryl Metcalf and hired him and shut his site down. And it's a bit of a loss for the analytics community, but it was a season of, of, of hires. There was absolutely tons of guys yeah, did, got hired. Did, did very publicly as well. Hired
0: a, a former uh, poker player, Sonny Meda. Uh, M-E-H-T-A, so if you want to look him up, he's, he's actually fairly famous. Um, obviously, Tyler Dello, uh, MC79 hockey, who who's very, very good and has been for, for quite some time. I, I learned a ton from Tyler. Um, still talk to Gabe Desjardins occasionally online. He's, he's busy doing other things. It's funny. Gabe, Gabe posted a, a pic, an image of the traffic to his site, and uh, he... He had an arrow pointing. He's like, and this is when I stopped caring and took another job. And then this huge takeoff immediately afterwards. He's like, yeah, that's pretty ironic, but he's doing fine.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, he's doing fine. But
0: Eric T's the other one who. Uh,
1: He's, he's, he's another one that got picked up full time and the kind of you know without knowing too much of the situation and not wanting to kind of dig deep, deep, deep into it. He was hired part time. Now I think Eric T has a pretty good career as well, so I kind of wonder how much he wanted to give up that. But he's been hired by an unknown team. MC79 was the kind of the most famous analytics guy. He could be he could be very cutting on Twitter. He would go after mainstream guys and kind of show those guys up. But he's it he was all about his writing in the end. It wasn't about. It wasn't about how he could embarrass media. No, he was, right. he, was he was proving it. He, yeah, he was proving it again and again and again. <coughs> it, it was. It, it was. It was very clear writing. It was very thorough investigations. He was. He was web scraping. He was he watching a ton of
0: video. But his his yeah, yeah, zone yeah. entry stuff was just a big video. Uh, Eric's, Eric's as well he's kind of watching the game too obviously
1: yeah it, it was and there was a change in kind of Tyler stuff as well because that that was a very new thing where he'd learned to kind of cut and paste video and where to get this video from and where to look and all the rest of it and he'd, he'd kind of this was a guy who was a blogger and he'd been doing it for a long time didn't for 8 or 9 years a blogger and he put all these things together and basically he was talking to the Edmonton Oilers and they decided to pick him up, which is absolutely fantastic. But there was a, there was a lot of other hires as well. Yeah,
0: it, it just it was, the, the, it was basically like aliens came along and they yeah. in their in their giant spaceship sucked all of the hockey bloggers into the air, and now they've disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> now, they, 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 work, of, they work at hockey teams as opposed to being anally probed. But the the point of this um, is that at some point this will start happening in football.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it probably will. I think there's uh, there's probably a subtle difference between between um, kind of hockey and football, I kind of wonder what the starting base was for some of these these hockey teams. Did they even have any kind of data or any... They probably had in-house stuff and look at a certain video. And I kind of think, I wonder whether there was a sort of difference between hockey and football about the level of data football teams might already have in terms of Prozone or Opta and how much not, they may have the data, but how use um, it. Well. In,
0: in our experiences, in, in, I and mean, you've talked to some clubs, and Colin and I have, have talked to some clubs and at least had conversations, um, so many of those clubs just they don't ha- they don 't know what to do with the data um, some of them didn 't even realize they had it They, they had subscriptions, and you know, they 're just like oh well apparently we've we've had this stuff, but we don 't have it in a database. We just have it in flat files or stuff like that uh, and The other thing is like in football in particular, a lot of it 's not strategic um the, the There are analyst teams you know down even to league one a lot of um, but a lot of that has to do with fitness um, you know they're like Europe is very far ahead of fitness um, stuff than probably the U.S., but on the flip side, like the U.S. and Canada are way ahead on sort of data analysis across sports. So it's, uh, it's more of a strategic thing. And um, what it, my, uh, my takeaway from this is I would encourage people that are interested to just start writing, start blogging about football, start analyzing the game, um, analyzing players, analyzing teams, what matters. You know, just if you get out there and do it, at some point in probably the next three to five years, there will be a huge amount of hires because there are a huge amount of football teams and there won't be nearly enough people who are qualified to do the statistical analytics stuff.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's true. I think if you the, the kind of lesson there is in hockey that, that basically there will be more hires in hockey as well. Yeah, absolutely. Probably they, in the next they, season. They'll I be think, looking for
0: the next set of bloggers because the, yeah, there's this half the, the, the league basically. needs more.
1: Yeah, I, I could look through my Twitter account. I can already see people who will probably get picked in the next year or two. You can just tell that the writings are good. But the hockey blog is what they did. Like I said before in the little intro, they found out what was important. Uh, you know what wasn't important. How teams did these important things. How teams were winning. How teams were creating chances. And you use all kinds of different tools. Some of those are some of those are just raw data tables. Some of those are videos. Some of those are tactical kind of uh, examinations. Just basically this is what the hockey guys were doing. You were just right. How are teams doing it? How are these teams good? How are these teams bad? And if you do it often enough and well enough, this is this is basically a huge interviewing process for those hockey guys. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And so and it's, also it's, it's not just for, for working in there. Like the the media is changing too. Um yeah. you know I've obviously written um for for the Mirror. the, the Guardian is has asked for us to, to do more stuff with them. Um I'm not sure if we're going to but um you did the the ESPN uh, Mike's writing for for ESPN. He wrote for uh, Mike Goodman wrote for us for a bit. Um, uh, B Sports. Alex Olshansky is there. Uh, Mike Cayley is writing for the Washington Post on their fancy stat stuff. Um, yeah, and it's it's more and more and more. Uh, ESPN is is picking up guys as well. So I, I, it's it's a weird thing for me to just say, hey encourage you to start doing data analysis in football and writing because it will pay off. But it's a bit like going to university, you know, like you you talk to what should my major be, this or that. Like if you start doing the data analysis and and building the tools now, like it will pay off. You can just see it so clearly. So that's, that's my pay on for today. Like get to work.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think so. If you, you basically do it, you do it in public, you, you have people pick holes in it, you have, you have people like the work or make uh, suggestions on how to improve the work and basically you will have a learning curve over the space of a year or two and if you're good enough, you will, you will get picked up. And some like you say, it could be media or it could be a club. It depends on what your kind of speciality is, I guess. The, the media what, stuff what you're, is funny. I mean,
0: you know, I'm, yeah. I'm up over 10,000 Twitter followers now and, you know,
1: whoop! Yeah, it's, it's I remember the lowly days of you, twenty five hundred <laughs> when
0: we started, and, 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 literally, and,
1: and kind of scratching around at a thousand. There <laughs> kind of thing, the first time I came across you, and adding one or two followers a week. Nice. Like
0: I, I, <laughs> no, nothing to do with that. Like more just um, a lot of the visualization stuff was taken off. So uh, yeah. yeah, it's, it's cool though. Um, all right, so let's wrap up um, with uh, maybe five to ten minutes on what have we
1: learned about the Premier League so far. Go ahead, start us off. Um, oh, well, can, but, I but, be a can I be a killjoy? Totally. I'll, I'll be a killjoy and say it's only three games. Okay. That, that'll, that'll be my killjoy one. Um, no, my we, my we killjoy is it's only
0: two teams.
1: Yeah, there, are, there are
0: really only two teams that are competing at the top this year. I, I like a number of signings. I like what, what teams have done, but it is so difficult to see anybody being better than the rampant city team and the rampant Chelsea team right now.
1: Yeah, because the the thing is you you have the the very nice analytical kind of mind where you can project forward and what I think most punting public or the most actual public is they see the first three games and go, wow, look how well Villa are doing or look how dominant Chelsea are and all the rest of it. This is only three games. These these three games are no really different to games 21, 22 and 23 but they kind of colour our perception a little bit differently especially with the media. The media would anoint Chelsea after they kind of went away to Burnley and won. <laughs> away to Burnley. I don't, yeah, ex- exactly. They play two. They play two promoted sides Grand and blessed, yeah. and somehow had one of those one in a thousand games where he scored two goals in the first three minutes and kind of got on top of Everton very quickly. I don't. I'm not sure what we've actually learned. I think. I think it takes. Some teams start quick, and others. Chelsea have added key pieces, who are experienced pieces, and kind of hit the ground running. Liverpool, a little bit kind of patchy, struggled against Southampton, didn't do well against City, looked lights out against Tottenham, and I think they may be a little bit schizophrenic like that for the first few games of the season. They, but they I play think, a
0: Hiberian style too, so it, yeah, you'll get you'll get
1: caught. Yeah, you'll get caught. But you, you honestly believe already that this is just a two-team. Two you don't think Liverpool can punch into that at all? I
0: don't. Um, I, I'm, I'm saying this. I like Liverpool. I, I, I like what they're doing. But I, the, the metrics right now just, just say that they don't have enough control. The, those other two teams are able to control the centre of the park. Liverpool's the one team that can't do that. And therefore, that's gonna, that, it will end up biting them over the course of 38 games plus Champions League games.
1: Yeah, I think it was quite telling there that I asked you whether I included Liverpool as the team that might have been able to punch into that two top two instead of Arsenal because I think if you look at Arsenal's numbers, these first three games look (laughs) right. They look awesome. (laughs) They look they look pretty good indeed. But you know, they look at they look different to to what they did last season when they were kind of top of the league and it felt like there was a there was a drop coming. It's a little bit like the Maple Leafs that we talked about before. You looked at some of the stuff Arsenal were doing and you were like you're top of the league here and I think there might be a little bit of a... So
0: for Arsenal I I I think they could do very well now. I think I think well back kind of he might actually put them in more of a, a Liverpool situation where you know they, they can just outscore teams and, and be rampant in that way. I think they are better. I, I think Chambers is a is a big addition actually. Debushi is an improvement over Sonia because Sonia just l- he was losing his legs at the end. Um, I'm a little worried about Debushi two years from now, but right now it's a it's a good addition. Uh, Monreal is the second left back um, and he's fine. Um, and then Koscielny and, and Mertesacker are good. It's that one position that they have a real weakness, and it's essentially the quarterback of their entire team. Uh, Arte, Ar- the defensive midfielder for for Arsenal, very much like Steven Gerrard, um, Arteta is 33, 34 years old. He's had some injury problems. He's losing his legs a bit. He can't play defensively like he used to. Um, they haven't signed a replacement for that. Uh, Coquelin is probably not it. Diaby, ha, ha,
1: ha, ha. And, and also, he was, before
0: he was there, he, he also wasn't a DM. So you've got this one spot that's probably the most important spot on the, on the field. And if you had an NFL team where you're like, okay, we've, we've got like, you know, two, two Cs that are question marks, and then the rest of the team is awesome, you're kind of trying to compete often despite your quarterback. With Arsenal, if Arteta's there, he's good, but they need to, to have tackling around him. And if is not there, who do they play? And the, my answer is, you play the guy that was the best midfielder in the Premier League last year, but probably not in his best role. You put Ramsey at the defensive midfielder, and then you have, um, you know, very versatile box-to-box center midfielders around him.
1: Yeah, I think with Arsenal, you know, the we 've seen a three or four year decline in the the, the control I have over games of their ability to out shoot opposition. I actually think the, you know it 's only very very early doors, but and a lot of this depends on health. And how healthy they can be, yeah. but I think I think they may well have a little kind of rebound in terms of the, the, how 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 many shots they were able to outshoot the opposition by this year. I, but it's no, all, so to, do, it's all so to do with games health. have been massive, and
0: yes, it is, it is to do with health. Um, even, so, like, essentially, if you put Ramsey central midfielder, and then like Alex Chamberlain has actually played as a as a center mid about half the time, uh, both for England and, and Arsenal, and I, I really like hugely him hugely well, dynamic yeah. and versatile in yeah. that role. Um so I mean if if they tweak it that way and there's no guarantee the the finger will I think the you know the strata between the top 4 and everybody else is actually pretty big but you know will injuries bite I don't know we'll find out
1: have we learned anything about the uh, promoted sides? I don't think we have. do we've learned anything. No, really.
0: it's tricky. I mean, Leicester have, have started out with a with a tough set of teams. Burnley have started out with a tough set of teams. Like everybody says, that Burnley's most likely to go down just because they're small. But you know, dice Dice has a, a great defense last year, and that's one of the the key things that'll keep you up. Um, you know, Aston Villa, they had a terrible summer. I the let's, let's let's briefly go back and look over the Villa signings. Just just I'm sorry, Villa fans, like if. Uh, If uh, Richard Whittall is is listening to this or Sam Teague, it's not my fault. Um, So Senderos, Cole, Kieran Richardson, Ali Sissoko, and Carlos Sanchez. Now, four of those were probably not good enough for their previous teams, uh, Fulham was a previous team. <laughs> um, <laughs> Joe Cole at West Ham was a previous team. Sendros was also at Fulham, and uh, Sissoko was at Liverpool. You're like, all right, well, Sissoko's not so bad. And then Carlos Sanchez uh, was at Elche, who was actually surprisingly good last year. But my God, that's that's just you look at it and say, you guys weren't good last year. What have you done to improve? And you have
1: to. Yeah. The, these these players have been are, are old players who were probably gone about two or three years ago. And have been given multi-year contracts and paid decent wages. <coughs> it doesn't. It doesn't look like good business. And, and I think they've fallen into the trap of believing that it was a young team last year and needing experience. Yeah. I very very at the, at the weekend I read the Guardian's not to call out who wrote it. The Guardian's kind of little ten points roundup. And one of them talked about Aston Villa and their their excellent start to the season was due to the experience they brought into the side. Oh. And their, their calming the calming heads and you know <laughs> the experience is showing and all that. And they are very very. Near. Really me out of Right but in the end, I just thought, no man, just just that's that's just not that's just not true. Really. Yeah. Um,
0: so, so like, it looks like Villa got weaker. Uh, Burnley, we don't know about uh, Palace. Uh, they lost the manager. Uh, they they hired a guy who's typically not a good manager. Oh god. Uh, I'm sorry, Palace fans. Like, uh, look, you don't want to give Pulis control of your transfer deals because he he spent hundreds of millions over at Stoke and they didn't get any better. So I do understand not wanting to do that. On the other hand, like losing Pulis and replacing him with Neil Warnock is also a disaster. So it's kind of a tricky thing. The the two So the two teams that I think have, have really gotten a lot better or, you know, solidified uh, that were down near the bottom is Hull and also... Um, West Ham? I think West Ham actually have improved quite a bit. You'd ha- also have to look at QPR and say there's too much quality there for them to go down. And then the Too many
1: players for them to go down. And the last <laughs>
0: team, yeah, they have a million players. How do they afford it? Nobody knows. And the last team is the team that's you know, sort of in first place right now. Are, are they going to
1: maintain that? Is Swansea going to stay up there? Do you, are you feeling it for the Welsh? Uh i um, actually from the from the games the the small snippets of seeing seen them play. They actually look they actually look all right. It's, it's never going to last. There's no way. It's absolutely. No
0: before we started recording, and Swansea uh, look more like when um, Brendan Rodgers was there. Uh, they they seem like they're a bit more of possession, even though they've only had like fifty point seven possession. Um, the, the the worrying thing is they're not creating a ton of shots, um, and they're not. You know, defensively they're also not. Uh, they, they, they're they're kind of luck influenced right now. They ten shots a game, fourteen against. It's, it's a little scary right now initially. Yeah,
1: this is just some very very simple basic ones. The, the percentage of shots on. You know, a team takes ten shots, three a on target. That percentage is thirty percent. You know, that's the league average. Swansea's is fifty-seven percent right now. And, you know, you, you talk about their, their scoring percentage is, you know, the scoring percentage isn't too bad, but the save percentage is super high. The percentage of the opposition shots on target is 81%. There's a few little percentages kind of going their way. Some of that is due to the fact that they're leading in games, but, you know, this, it's a promising start for, <coughs> for Gary Monk, you know. He's, he kind of shifted out some of those Spanish players. They actually look all right, and they look, they look very nice to watch and all the rest of it, but I just they're good, they're, they don't have enough quality. So think.
0: we talked about the top of the table. Who you got at the bottom? Bottom three, any, any picks?
1: Oh, back for what, from this early? Um, we're, we're not going to hold you to this. What's the thing, if we get asked every week, and then we'll end up actually having picks every team? Like, even, even Man United we could have picked L- to Last there, like were, there were
0: six. I, I looked back at my stuff that I wrote a, like January 5th, and there were, there were six teams that definitely looked like they could go down, and um, a seventh that I was saying that they wouldn't. So it, it, it looks like that, that type of stratification.
1: I would, okay, three teams. I, th- I I was kinda of fancying Hull as a dark horse bet if they'd have stayed in the Europa League and it had crippled them but they didn't. No. They kinda of got themselves luckily knocked out, which is probably a good thing for them, really, a good thing. Um I would I would go a combination of Burnley, Palace and Leicester. That doesn't seem bad initially. I I think
0: I think Leicester might survive and I, I actually be like did, a West Ham uh, or
1: I will, I will qualify that. Leicester had a pretty tough start, and they do look like the, the, the very, very fundamental basics of give a pass, keep a pass, move into space to receive all the passes, kind of break with speed. They look all... That looks fine for Leicester. Yeah, I, I
0: think they, they look better than... Like that, that's one of those things where you watch them the first three games, the, particularly the, the promoted teams or the new manager teams. is very tricky to, to figure out, but you watch them and you're like, okay, these look like a real football team. They don't look like they're going to get, you know, trash.
1: Yeah, they do. They actually look like a Premier League side. Yeah, I just kind of wonder... I always worry about promoted sides with the length of the season, the kind of grind of the season and the the, the quality of those promoted squads because they're never going to be as good enough as the, as the other seventeen who were who were in the league be- the year before them and that's the that's my one concern with Leicester I think. I would have Leicester as a border, as a kind of bubble team for that for that relegation. I don't really like Burnley, wouldn't really like Palace, but it's so early. What do we know? It's three games. We know
0: nothing. Last year, I thought there was about a five percent chance that, that Palace were, were going to stay up in like the end of September, October. But you know, Pulis came in, and within five games, we thought that there was like you know almost no chance they were going down. So.
1: Damn it! It's not just that; it was Sunderland again. Yes, again. <laughs> oh, it. Like Lazarus, ben, ben they can't go down. to get relegated. I never. I learned after that first year. I didn't even do it last year because I thought, you, yeah. But now, that's not.
0: All right. Well, thank you very much. We we will do this as much as we have time for during this um, during this year. Um, it's uh, I would like to do it more, but we're very very busy right now. That's it.
1: It is. It's timing, and it's, it can be difficult. But no, it's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. All right.
0: You. Take care, guys. Thanks a lot. Okay. Take care. Bye now.